0: What's up, everyone? It was a weekend of upsets in the USL Championship playoffs, but Orange County did their job and secured a second round matchup at Championship Soccer Stadium by beating El Paso at home in front of a sellout crowd. We're going to talk about that, plus much more. We got some guests scheduled to join us as well. Let's get this thing started. Welcome to the podcast of champions. This is the Orange and Black Soccer cast.
1: This
2: is the Orange and Black Soccer Cast, the first and only podcast dedicated to Orange County
0: Soccer Club, its fans and supporters. Follow us on Twitter at OCSC underscore soccercast or on Facebook at Orange and Black Soccercast. How's it going, Orange County? Welcome to another episode of the Orange and Black Soccer Cast the first and only podcast dedicated to Orange County Soccer Club, its fans, and supporters. I'm your host, Ray Samora, and I, I don't know what's going on with my camera today, but I apologize for that if you're watching live. But we're here to talk about all things Orange County Soccer Club, not the camera work here. Um, first joining us, we got Dylan in a new background location, but still the same old Dylan. How are you doing, Dylan?
2: I'm not too bad. I'm um, thrilled we got got to advance on the weekend. and um,
0: Yeah doing well simple and sweet from dylan um also helping us out uh on this one is hallway hallway the lads
3: dear god in heaven man do you even watch soccer hallway Uh, the lads it's a Sunderland thing and it's in honor of our guest later tonight coach paul hardiman who oh in case you all didn't know played in the 1992 fa cup final for um sunderland
0: let's go boys thank you hallway we also got the return of an amazing member of this team. We haven't seen her in a while, but she's back. Um, also with a new background uh, for
4: this episode. That's Taylor. Taylor, that's, how you doing? I'm good. I'm good. That's true. I do have a new background. We moved our, our, our table the other way, so that's why. But yeah, very good. Very happy to be back. Dylan and Taylor to what
0: it is. I was going to say a long time since we've had you on the show, but we're glad to have you back, especially at this point. I see Dylan's already got his drink of the night. I'm sure hallway has got his Taylor's got hers. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, it's time to keep this thing winning because I went out and bought a new bottle of my Lucky Rum. So we're going to keep this thing going, um, and we're going to win the championship because I got plenty, hopefully, to go. It's, it's a full bottle right now, so I got plenty for that. But let's talk about um, Orange County. Um, I know there were plenty of nerves going to this match with some of the results that we saw across the USL Championship, especially in the Eastern Conference. Uh, where I believe it was the top two seeds getting eliminated in the first round, which I, I think we're all familiar in this league. Things like that happen in the playoffs. And that's what makes it pretty, pretty interesting, pretty neat, pretty nervous uh, when you watch watching the team, but orange County did what they had to do. They secure the victory, secure a trip to the next round at home against the enemies, Phoenix rising. Are, are they still the enemies? We'll talk about that. Uh, they held El Paso, I believe, to zero shots on target, which I think if you do that, you're going to win. I mean, hopefully. Unless you don't get any shots on target, then that goes crazy. Dylan, make me stop talking. You start talking. What were your thoughts on this match?
2: Yeah, thrilling. Um, I think I've said that in the past when we've been shipping goals left and right. The um, game is a little stop-start, but it was, and I think if we hear from the playing staff and the technical staff later on, it this was... Uh, this was all Orange County. Um, no, I'm sure our producer would love for me to uh, maybe remind people that as we watch a shot go wide, uh, El Paso had no shots on target in this. Um, not ideal, in fact, uh, like you were saying, if you're attempting to actually um, win. So, look, I think I mentioned last week, um, when goal games in the playoffs, it's about, you know, you don't have – it's great if you dominate the game and it certainly is maybe slightly less stressful. Um, but it is about doing just enough through 90, 95, hundred minutes, however many, um, just enough to advance. Um, we did probably more than enough in this match, even if the scoreline doesn't reflect that, but something uh, as we watch a beautiful, beautiful ball go in, um, something to be proud of
0: very much something to be proud of. And, and that free kick goal, the one goal of the night was pretty darn amazing. Uh, Cause it's, it's sort of a double-edged sword there for your opponent in that position. Cause either of the two Olasky's could have gone for that uh, free kick. Uh, it goes in the back of the net from Milan with the right foot, probably the better option there, Larry, uh, you were roaming the sidelines. Uh, did you get a good view of that PK? or not PK that free kick that went to the back of the net um, or you, or were you out doing some other stuff around the sidelines?
3: No, no, no. I was, I was right on it. I had a great view of it. Got a great video of it for, uh, um, for the uh, orange and black soccer cast Instagram page. Um, that was just, it's just Milan doing Milan things. It's what he does. It's who he is now naturally with that whole deal I made with Brian about shaving my beard. If he scores in the playoffs, I was a little nervous there in a second because I'm for a second because I'm looking at that one going, he could go left foot on this real easily. Uh, But, you know, Milan stepped up and took that one. And it was it was great to watch. Um, And, you know, Dylan said a little stop start. I kind of disagree. I felt like it was nothing but start from O.C. From the opening whistle onward, um, I felt like this was a completely dominant performance. Yes, probably maybe our most dominant performance of the entire year. Just all, everything about this game was just O.C., O.C., O.C. El Paso never had a chance. It was only 1-0. It could have been 5-0 easily if it weren't for some great saves from Diaz.
0: Some great saves or some just barely missed uh, shots. We saw that earlier in the highlights, the um, free kick from Kyle Scott that Dogman just puts right over the crossbar, That you know a, a couple inches south, and that's uh, potentially bouncing in the back of the, the net. Uh, Taylor, you were front row center. I went out center front row uh, in the CLC. Uh, y'all were very, very noisy, appreciative of that. I, I think a lot of the fans at the stadium around were watching. I was loving every minute of it from my vantage point. Um, what was the atmosphere like for, for in the CLC uh, for this match?
4: Uh, it was so good. And I think that's, I mean, I like to sit and watch the game. And I don't think that I sat for maybe over five myri- five minutes in the whole game. And, like, I like to do that, you know. Um, but it was just so um, electric in there. Everyone was on their feet, chanting. It was just – it was great. And we even had a couple of El Paso fans just to our left of the CLC. But they made zero impact, I can tell you that, even when they were trying to be loud and trying to, like, annoy. You just you – can't, you can't compare when you're sitting next to us, especially in a night like that where everyone was just so excited to see – how well OCSE was playing. And honestly, for like, from a fan's perspective, like how, and, and uh, if there was more goals, maybe, but I don't know. I think you can get much happier with the performance and like the big shots that we're having and the big saves that the keeper did have to make. So it was really great to see it pay off and everybody, you could just tell was just over the moon.
0: Yeah, it was, it was pretty amazing atmosphere, not just in, in your section, but you know, all across the stadium, there was, um, it was pretty packed. I, I, it was advertised as a sellout, obviously, but uh, we all know how that works out. Sometimes people don't make it to the match. Tickets were sold, but the seats aren't filled. But it was a good crowd. There were a noisy crowd, an excited crowd. Uh, I brought a group of 20 people. A, a lot of them, you know, you, that I know that have been to games in the past, but they were enjoying it. Uh, I actually got a chance to speak to a couple of the family members of some of the players, which was really cool. Uh, and um, uh, one of my guests got to speak to, I believe it was the Olasky's mother. Um, that's what she thinks it was uh i didn't get to that because this was like in a food line or something like that but it was a rocking atmosphere very much reminds me of what it was like in the championship run two seasons ago with the uh, uh loud noise the excitement the stadium it just much more energy than we've seen in the past on the pitch some great stuff that we saw as well uh, obviously they were missing a couple players that are probably going to factor as we go through the playoffs here in uh, Kevin Partita and uh, Sparky McNulty. They'll be back next week, uh, but the team did what they needed to without those two players. I think Kyle Scott had a really good game. Uh, I think the Oloski brothers had a really good game and, and probably the best portion of it was our defense uh, with an amazing match. Uh, Dylan, what uh, what stood out from you on the pitch as far as the play goes in, in any players, positions, Uh, moments that stood out for you in this match?
2: Um, I was harping on it in our chat, but because it was the game winner um, and the match winning difference for us, um, just this free kick with um, Milan and Brian standing over it, um, keeper has to be, I I really think, as close to the middle um, as he can in the situation. Uh, Logically, yeah, Milan's always going to be the first one to take that. Um, based on what side of the goal. He should be the one taking that. But Keeper has to probably be a little bit closer to the middle of the goal than he normally would. Um, ends up getting completely blocked by the wall. Brian takes half a step forward. Um, everybody shifts as a result, um, kind of like reacting to it. And that's all it took. Um, keeper takes a little bit. He comes a little bit set to his right. Right. Um, for Milan to put it back to his left and there's nothing he can do about it so that's perfect um probably a horrible position I And mean, you know we can talk to the the good um, goalkeeper among us here in this chat but uh probably not the place you'd want to be not you Ray um definitely not you <laughs> one, one with an accent um the uh the lawyer I think um probably the worst place you could be as a goalkeeper in that situation, save for where he was uh, 94
0: minutes into the match. But, you know, it happens. It happens. Larry, what about for you?
3: You know what? Um, Keith just said it in the uh, uh, in the chat. <laughs> that midfield was sick. Uh, Kyle, Brian, and Seth. Just absolute, complete, and total control of that game. Um, and, and on top of that, you know, having a 17 year old fill in for somebody who is arguably having, what could, what could some people would consider an MVP type season for us, um, fill them in for Kevin. Uh, it was just, it was just so much fun to watch. And I, uh, I didn't, I haven't gotten a chance to rewatch the entire game. I watched a better portion of the first half. Um, but man, they were just, God, they were just so good all night. Um, freaking Brian just putting on a clinic out there on, you know, how to move the ball and how to control the ball and how to get by the defense. It was how we only got one goal is still an absolute shock
0: to me. Very much. Um, Taylor, I want to ask you, cause we have sort of a, a, an image right where the free kick is going on here. I believe um, how important is that little hesitation fake from Brian Alosky? Um, when you're looking at it as the goalkeeper standpoint, how important was it for orange County with that little hesitation that it sort of, leaves the goalie in no man's land because he doesn't now know which way he's going to have to dive.
4: Yeah. I mean, it's going to be huge in this kind of situation. You can see right there, like OCSC players, I can't tell who it is, but they were blocking like in that little gap. Um, So that's going to make it really hard for him to see. So he's only going by what he can see over the top. So it's going to make him second guess. And then at that point you're just kind of stuck and you're just trying to recover. Um, So I think that was for sure going to have an impact. So then I think he takes a step left a little bit as well, like forward and left. Um, so he's in like no man's land, like you said. So he's just gonna, um, yeah, see when he does that, he's going over cause he thinks, and, and, and he's just, there's no way you can recover when a strike is coming in like that.
0: And it'd be interesting. I, I'd love to know like in the situations, who has the final say between the Oloski brothers when it comes to who's taking the kick. Obviously we all agree, it probably has to be Milan from that angle where it was, that's the better angle to go with. But I wonder who actually makes that decision in that moment, or are they, uh, is this something that the coaching staff has already planned up for them in these moments? Who's going to do what? Um, because, you know, you see it in not just Orange County's matches, but multiple matches where a players picks up that ball and he's basically, I'm taking this kick. I don't care what anyone else says. So it'd be very interesting if we could find that out. Um, so they get the result, the one nil win. Probably, I think we all agree, should have been a couple more goals for Orange County in that, but they get to move on to the next round. Uh, of the Western Conference playoffs and face Phoenix. Uh, while on the other side, it was the favorite uh, teams from the other side of the Western Conference. Sacramento moves on, San Antonio moves on. So as it stands right now, uh, Sacramento, and I believe it's Charleston have the, um, you know, home field advantage over Orange County for the remainder playoffs. But, you know, that, that what happened in the East really helped out. Cause I know, I think there was a lot of people like sort of struggling with the thought of if it goes to Pittsburgh that's not the easiest trip to get out to, or if it goes back to Tampa Bay, well, we were just there a couple of years ago. Do we really want to spend money to go back to Tampa Bay for this? So at least it cleared out some of that. Uh, now it may run through Sacramento, which I think would make some people happy. Um, or, and, or it may run into Charleston, which that might be a difficult one to get to as well, but that would be an interesting, um, final matchup. There's two of the, uh, more, uh, veteran or or not veteran but who two teams that have been in the league for uh quite a while would be really nice Phoenix is the next opponent for Orange County um in the past it's been a really you know engaging chippy match between the two teams I think we've talked about it recently uh not as much because I believe both teams just haven't been like winning at the same time I believe in our championship run Phoenix was struggling a little bit last year we were struggling a little bit I think Phoenix struggled a little bit last year as well I can't quite remember Um, this year, you know, some good matches, but it didn't feel like you had that energy between these two clubs that you had in the past. I think San Diego sort of overtook that this year. I think there was probably a lot of orange County fans that were looking forward to maybe facing San Diego uh, in the second round. Uh, I I know people have made some friends with uh, San Diego fan base uh, and it's just more of that close rivalry, Um, but Phoenix took, took them out. So it's now Phoenix that we're facing Dylan, your analysis or your, thoughts on orange county hosting phoenix in the second round of the playoffs and do you have any uh anger or any revenge in mind from the uh western conference finals like five years back
2: the i can't believe that was five years ago um i feel like a broken record talking about things i've talked about in the weeks past but um you know playoffs one game at a time one opponent at a time um Great. We were able to really shut down El Paso and, and still allow Ryan Dogman some freedom up the left hand side. Great. How do we transition that to playing against Phoenix um, and a Darnell King that likes to get up really high? They didn't offer a lot in that match. Again, we, uh, in our most recent match against them, it took a 35 yard screamer, an absolute worldie that's never going to get saved, um, to level things. This feels like a game that. I think might need more than one goal from Orange County. Um, And if we dominate the way we did, great. Um, But just trying to hold on in a playoff match, I think being at home will help a lot, but try and do that as little as possible in this kind of situation and and try and and strike more than once. I know it's, it's not great analysis to be like, just score more goals than your opponent, but I can see this being probably more than a one-nil match as these games tend to either be six, seven goal affairs um, or a, a nice one-one with no in between.
0: So while you were talking, I saw Larry shaking his head. He, he doesn't agree with you. I want to hear what Larry has to say on this.
3: Uh, no. Um, this defense is way too strong. This is not going to be a six, seven goal match. Um, unless we score six goals or seven goals. But Orange County doesn't need to score six or seven goals. Orange County needs to score one goal, two at the most. Um, This back line, Owen, Ryan, uh, Marcus, Dylan, these guys are a wall. And absolute. not you, Dylan, although I'm sure you make a fine defenseman, uh, your hair is too long to play defense i think i'm not entirely sure what the rules are on that um phoenix can score uh i'm mean, danny trejo it's uh, 18 goals i think this year number two or three in in the golden boot race um outside of that a little bit a little bit more firepower but our defense is just filthy the team is absolutely nasty defensively um, and it's not just those back four it's those midfielders coming back Um, it's, it's even Tomas and, um, Milan dropping deep as well. Uh, it just reminds me so much and I don't, I, I hate to bring it up, but my God, everything about what has happened over the last three months just makes me feel like it's 2021 all over again. Um, my beard is a little longer than it was and it's a little bit whiter than it was a couple years ago, but we are just a defensive machine. And I don't know if it just happened like that. I don't know if that's what they intended to build when they put this team together. But damn, it sure as hell has worked. And I don't I don't see this game being a high scoring game. Um, I mean, yeah, we we were ugly early in the season, gave up a lot of crap goals and maybe we shouldn't have. But yeah, as of the last couple of months, you better do some magic if you want to score a goal against OC.
0: Can you imagine what our stats look like if we don't have the horrible start to the season uh, that put us like way down at the bottom of the table and then we made on the, went on the magical run? Um, I don't agree with Larry as far as we only need one goal. I, I think two goals is more the, the goal on this one. Um, plus, I was going for a while where I wasn't biting my nails, but this last match I was biting my nails pretty bad because it just, you know, one goal lead in a playoff match is not – the uh, easiest on the nerves, Taylor, your thoughts on uh, on this uh, do you agree more with Dylan or more with Larry on uh, Phoenix as an opponent and how we need to, what we need to do?
4: It pains me to say that I'm gonna go against Dylan on this one, but I'm with Larry. Um, I, I, even after watching the game, was it last night uh, Phoenix um, and loyal it was just like watching where we are now, it was like watching a lower tier. Like you wouldn't, if you were just to, for the first time ever to watch OCSC's last game versus Phoenix's last game, you would question whether they were they were in the same um, league. Honestly, that's just how it felt looking at it. And I know they can have better games and we can have worse games for sure. But I just feel like we are so on fire at the moment. Our defense is so compact. It's just, it's just crazy. Um, the difference between last year and the comparisons we can do to the year before that I just feel really good about it. And I don't think that we're going to have to score that many, but the more the better. Absolutely.
0: So what I heard there from Taylor is Orange County is Tottenham and Phoenix is Sunderland. That's what I heard on that one. Um, t- Dylan, who from Phoenix, if, if anyone, who scares you on Phoenix?
2: I almost don't even want to dignify anything that you have to say after that. Um <laughs>
0: That's just what I heard when Taylor was speaking. I, I could be wrong, but that's, that's the way I heard it. Uh, you, really, you really need to start listening. From her listening. Scottish accent to my English or American English accent.
2: Yeah, you really need to start listening. Um, I, I think they...
4: It, or if, it, it's a or if that's different. a hard
0: question for you to answer, Dylan. Who from yeah. Orange County needs to step up? And who's like the, the key focal point for Orange County to secure this win?
2: Vocal point, I think, will always be Milan, just by nature of him scoring so many goals. Um, I, I do kind of... I mean, everybody's looking forward to Kevin Partida being back. Um, I do hope that he is back and he keeps uh, his head on um, in this match. Just to be... I think these games do get chippy, even if the, the rivalry does feel like it's a little bit past it. Um if he keeps his head, I think we'll be okay. Um, that being said, I think shutting out Danny Trejo the way that we did two months ago, a month ago, however long it was ago, is is going to be probably the biggest thing um, and force Phoenix into trying to take 30, 40-year-old shots because, again, we talked about this when they scored that. Lane. The XG from that is probably like 0. .0 a digit, you know? So... <sighs> yeah uh find Milan um dominate the game but realistically I think seeing out a playoff game someone like Kyle Scott just controlling the tempo is probably going to be the uh, the deciding factor in the 80th minute on
0: um Larry uh really quick I want to ask you this question you know we all remember the 2021 run uh, that was based off a really strong defense from Orange County we were stingy mm-hmm. we didn't give up goals even in the playoffs Um, Although we didn't sometimes score enough goals, we had to go to PKs in the playoffs. We weren't giving up the goals. And I always tell people, hey, if you don't give up a goal, you're giving yourself a chance. Uh, Which team, when you look at 2021's team and our current team, which team do you think is the the stronger defensive team? um, And why is it this current season's team? (laughs) And why
3: is it this current season's team? Um, Without giving any disrespect because... Tremendous amount of love and respect to both um, of our center backs that year. Michael Orosco and um, uh, Rob Kiernan. Uh, those guys were fantastic. But <laughs> in Marcus Nackham we have an even better version of Michael Orosco at 25 years old, 24 years old. However, I don't know exactly how old Marcus is. 27 22? 27 27 okay 27 whatever um I I think that um if you put Partida into Dylan Dylan Powers slot where Dylan was playing in 2021 and you put uh Kyle Scott into the spot where Eric Calvillo was playing a lot in that year uh in 2021 I think that that combination uh is better this year then back then, I think that the center backs, I think I don't even remember who our wing backs were who uh our, our left and right center backs were in 2021. Somebody remind me, Dylan, you got go. Smith,
2: Brent Richards, but also Are Kevin you. Alston was a emergency center back slash
3: played a few minutes. So a- absolutely. So when you take those four, and again, no disrespect to them because they brought a trophy home and this team hasn't done that yet. And until they do, they're still the second best orange county soccer club team ever um but you put those four that we have in the back right now up against the other four and it's just i i'm not even sure it's apples to apples it's like apples to cranberries maybe not apples to oranges but something kind of close maybe
0: are cranberries and apples that close um Same and, color. And- I'm I, not a Marcus expert. The only reason I know his age is because my oldest son brought a friend to the game and she was very intrigued with uh, the players and wanted to get pictures. And Marcus took a picture and then she was wondering how old Marcus was. And I told her the age. That's the only reason I knew off the top of my head right there, how old Marcus is uh, for the match. Dylan, are you okay? You look confused.
2: Yeah. I just, I had a question that I, I never, I didn't want to ask actually after afterwards. I, I just want to say that saying that Marcus Nakeem is, is better than, a 25-year-old Michael Roscoe is a hell of a take. Uh, not better
0: than a 25-year-old Michael Roscoe. He was a 25 year
2: Was it? So, sorry, a 27-year-old Marcus Nakeem is better than Michael Roscoe was. Is that, At is that time. what
3: you mean? I'm, I'm saying that he is better than the 35-year-old.
2: Oh, yes.
0: Okay. 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 And okay. and here's one so thing he I'll say no,
3: with Ben. With... Nothing but love for, for Michael and, and you know him as the captain. Um, love that man. Great human being, amazing soccer player. Um, but I, if you told me right now, you can have a 35 year old Michael Orozco, or you can have a 27 year old Marcus Nackham, I'm going to
0: take Marcus all day, every day.
2: I I think there's a lot of,
0: I think you could get a lot of love uh, with Marcus too, because as much as we loved Michael and Rob, Marcus just brings that extra bit of like passion and he really pumps up the fans. He he's really, a key focal point to getting the fans involved. If the fans aren't being loud enough, aren't getting crazy enough, he's going to rile them up a really quick Taylor. We, we do have a guest coming on, but I want to give you a quick question because it was going through the chats really quick. Um, There's conversation about who's basically the most improved um, in, in in the season. I've seen Cal Scott's name come up. I've seen Dylan Powell's name come up. Um, What's your thought?
4: I'm honest. I'd probably have to say Scott. And I know that's probably just a common answer, but I did not like him coming in like I was, I really did not see where like that was that in my private thoughts. I wasn't going around and saying that to people, but I really didn't see how he was going to have an impact. And that just shows you why, you know, I'm not like, the one calling the shots, but um, he like surprised me. And it was, I mean, he, like he, sh- he turned that around like very quickly, I think, but he's just been getting better and better and better. And when he's not there or he's having a slightly off match, you can really feel it and see it in the team and I think that just show, goes to show like where he started versus where he is now.
0: I'm sort of with you, Taylor. Um, going into the season, I wasn't really high on Kyle Scott. But i tell you right now, I've talked about this with a, a lot of you all. He's become my favorite player on this team for multi, multiple uh, reasons. Not just because of what I've seen on the pitch, but for multiple interactions with him. He's been amazing. Um, he, he's been a great player. But it's not to say I don't like other players in this team. One of my other favorite players on this team is now going to join us on this episode, um, that's going to be a midfield, attacking midfield, left-footed extraordinaire uh, for your Orange County Soccer Club, Mr. Brian Oloski. Uh Brian, welcome back to our show. Uh, how are you feeling after the matches past weekend?
5: How's it going, guys?
0: It's going great. We're excited. Here, We're Brian. stoked.
5: Uh, yeah, I'm feeling good. Um, it was a good win, and looking forward to next week.
0: We're we're looking forward to next week. I think he's gonna uh, check on some of the the things going is it on loud? around. But that's okay. It, it it works. It's it's not a problem. We we can hear mostly you. Um, yeah. Let me let me ask you this: a question that came up uh, while we were talking about the match is obviously that free kick with you and Milan standing over the ball, uh, and you guys get a chance to shoot. Uh, who has the final say when it comes to a situ- situation like that? Because I think both of you have a good chance of making that shot. Who had the final say there in that moment?
5: Yeah, um we we always talk about it over the ball. Um kind of see how the wall's lining up and take a peek at the keeper and see if he gives anything away. And I uh also going over it on film, um we always we, we always go over set pieces with uh coach Paul Hardiman the day before the match. And I just noticed that the keeper was always cheating a bit on the set set plays, especially closer to the box. Um, so I mentioned that to Milan, so when we got the opportunity in the game, uh, we kind of already had it kind of in the back of our minds that uh, the keeper likes to guess uh, that we're going to go over the wall instead of keeping his spot kind of on that back post. Um, so he liked it, and I mean, I, I wouldn't have mind, minded Taking it myself, but I was saying I was telling him, "Let me pretend like I'm setting it up, and like I'm gonna go take the free kicks, and and that's when you see me step forward." And I was like, "And then you just come around and smash it far post." So, um,
3: say that again. <laughs>
5: I was. Can you hear me?
3: Yeah.
5: Oh, I was saying I was just on that play. I was going up. To, I, I told him I was like, "Let me step to the ball, like I'm gonna take it," and that's when I do that little step. And I was like, "Just come in." smash it far post right when I and do that.
0: The amazing thing is it worked because if you watch the replay, you made the goalies take a slight step in the wrong direction. Yeah. Right. When Milan was attacking that kick.
5: Yep. And the last regular season game, I had a free kick against the same keeper. Um, I, I barely missed against him. It just went wide. And so I was, I was also, I also knew that he probably thought that I was taking it. Um, so I, I didn't, Milan didn't have to convince me much. I pretty much drew the play up and Milan executed.
0: Perfect. Um go ahead, Dylan.
2: Um, Brian, on the very important things that everyone would like to know.
0: What
5: please tell us about that celebration? What was going on? I don't know. Milan was telling me to do something with like my <laughs> fingers or my hands, and I was like, dude, what are we what are we doing? <laughs> so it was nothing like I didn't plan anything before the match. Um yeah, it was a mess of a celebration, so we got to clean that one up for this weekend. Please, please. Um, Taylor, on to you.
2: That's all I care to hear about.
4: <laughs> well, I wanted to ask how either similar or different is it feeling going into the next playoff match versus the 2021 run that we had where we were also very successful?
5: It's a good question. Uh, it is a similar feeling, but it's a little bit different in a way. I feel like at least during the, the lead up to the game felt the same um, during this time of the year as well. You kind of, you go into the stadium and the sun's already setting and you're out there for warm ups, and it's dark out already. So just that part of it, you get a different feeling before the game. Um, and then, but once I was in the game, just felt more calm in this one compared to the 2021 season where I felt like we had a more direct style of play. And uh especially that first game in the 2021 season was at home against Colorado raining. The field was a bit of a mess at that point. Um, we went down a man. So a lot more to that game. I feel like obstacle wise, this one felt more like a, just a, a regular match for me um, during the, during the game.
4: Nice. That's great to hear. On to you, Larry. Uh,
3: Brian, um Man, while you were you and Milan were standing over that ball, I was thinking about that discussion that uh, I had with you about you scoring in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And um, it's still here. So, But uh, Russell Buto said that um, Parker says, Brian needs to get a haircut before Phoenix and I guarantee the <laughs> goal. So something about you getting haircuts and you scoring yeah. goals. Um, hey, listen, if you get a haircut and you score a goal, I will still happily cut the hair. I'm good with it.
5: Yeah, he always mentions that every time I get a haircut, I play my best games and score my goals. So I might need to get a haircut before the match. See. <laughs> um, see.
3: I, I can tell you, my first memory of you playing was actually when you were playing for Galaxy back in, I think, 19. And I remember watching you out on the pitch and thinking, God, this guy is such a pest out there. He's just running around all over the place making people crazy. But now watching you the last three years in Orange County doing it, i got to tell you honestly – it's been a joy it's been a joy it really has been to watch but i'm not going to talk soccer with you i'm going to talk something way more important december 17th something's going on that day
5: yeah something is going on that day
3: yeah tell it tell us a little bit about that mr Olaski.
5: getting married to this one (laughs) (laughs) she she just started a movie uh Yeah. yeah getting married uh december 17th so that, big time, that's awesome, big time. In uh, life, yeah.
3: uh, t- tell us about venue. Tell us about the proposal. Did you cry? Did she cry? D- give it. Give the fans some it's, details on the on the inside notes.
5: Proposed. I proposed in uh, 2021, December of 2021. So almost two years ago. Uh, proposed uh, up at Big Bear, Big Bear Lake, Big Bear Mountain. Um, so both of our families were there for a vacation together, just a weekend get getaway. And I thought it was a, the perfect chance to, uh, propose in front of everyone. So, um, bit of a mess of a day, actually, it was, it was raining, which we weren't expecting. Um, so I was expecting either snow or, or sunshine with, with the snow there. So a bit of an in-betweener. So I didn't really have a spot picked out cause everything was closed. Um, so it was kind of an all day thing where we were trying to find the, the perfect spot and then she was kind of oblivious to it all. So she didn't see it coming. Um, <laughs> So yeah, they were they were happy tears for sure. Um and then um venue, it's gonna be take place down in Escondido, uh my hometown. Um yeah, so we're really looking forward to it.
3: That that's awesome, man. So happy for you. Um and you know, don't don't be embarrassed if you cry. You know, I just got married a couple of weeks ago and I basically cried from the minute she showed up until the ceremony was over. So Okay well congrats so, thank you thank you um you know that that's all i've got for you brian again it has been an absolute pleasure to watch oh i'm sorry i do have one more question one more question um every game that you go into um right now um this past saturday next saturday anything that follows there is the pro- possibility that that's going to be the last time you get to take the field with your little brother mm-hmm. what's the emotions like are you thinking about that at all um is it just not is it we might lose, and Milan and I don't ever get to play together. Is that even in your head,
5: Mike? It crossed my mind before, but um, I don't go in thinking thinking like that, thinking that way. Um, and it's got to come. It's got to come to an end at some point. So I'm just pretty much trying to enjoy the moment while still keeping laser focus, of course. Um, and I'm trying not to put those negative thoughts about. What if we lose into my head? Um so yeah, it's a I mean, even when we're done playing together, you know, it's more to life than, than being on the pitch at the same time. So and we both know that and get that and I'm happy for him and his move. Um, so we'll we'll have a we'll have plenty of of soccer matches in the backyard still to come. <laughs> so when we when we have our family gatherings at my at my uh parents' place. So
0: well, here, here here's one thing I want to say. Right, with with uh, Milan moving out 100%. to Europe <laughs> with Milan moving out to Europe, he he's now going to have to be the one. He's the one that's leaving you. He's the one that's going to have to pay for you to come out and visit him. Right? You're going to make him fit the bill. Yeah, exactly. I, feel- this,
5: I mean, him and my other brother came out to visit me in Poland, and I was paying for all the meals, and I, they <laughs> they paid for their trip. I paid for the meals. I, I they stayed with me, so yeah, I, I'm getting the same treatment for sure when I go out there.
0: Perfect. Um, I'm going to probably upset a few of my co-hosts on here because I'm going to bring up a topic that they don't typically like. But, you know, obviously you're not the biggest player on the pitch when you're out there, you're, you're, you know. But the cool thing with soccer is size isn't all important. My son tends to be one of the smaller kids out on the pitch when he plays mm-hmm. soccer. What's advice you have for players that maybe aren't the biggest, strongest or even fastest out there? And what 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 do you advise them to do to keep up at it and not get discouraged when uh, bigger players are pushing them around, knocking them to the ground um, or outrunning them because they got longer legs.
5: Yeah. I think that's the great, one of the great uh, parts about the sport is that it doesn't really matter about your size. Obviously it has some advantages, but I could argue that it has its disadvantages as well at times. If you're a smaller player like me that can sneak by guys and a little bit quicker, lower to the ground, better center of gravity. Um, I'm a big believer in technique as well, um, just overall technique, passing, shooting, chopping the ball, dribbling, uh, defending, even how you head the ball and positioning and all that. So tactical tactical awareness, um, just knowledge of the game. So many things that so – so many other things that you can focus on than just the side, overall size of a player. Um, whereas, you know, I used to play basketball – I, 12, 13 years old, I stopped, I, I wasn't growing as much as the other guys. And like that plays a little bit more of, effect, of an effect because obviously trying to get the ball up into the basket. I mean, um, beautiful part about playing soccer, balls on the ground, um, all the things I just mentioned are, I think, more way more important than the size of a player. Um, you look at some of the top players in Europe and they're smaller than me, so. Yeah.
0: Perfect. I love that answer. Um, we don't want to take up too much of your time because we want to let you make sure sh- we want to make sure you get all the rest you need before you head into a tough week of training in preparation for Phoenix. Uh, but before we let you go, uh, any message to the fans that are going to be at the match on Saturday, or maybe they're still considering if they want to go to the match on Saturday, what do you say to those fans?
5: Yeah. I mean, uh, crowd is great this, this past weekend. We're looking forward to it being the same. We need the fans on our side. Uh, that's one of the best thing, best advantages of this league is having the home field advantage i feel like um with us having the, the the crowd and the fans supporting us um it gives us that extra step that extra push especially in that second half um so looking forward to seeing how it is um yeah last last game was great they brought the energy so i know it's going to be the same uh, come this Saturday.
0: Perfect. Um, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, that is uh, a attacking midfielder for your orange County soccer club. And also the man that will potentially be responsible for Larry losing his beard. He saw some more opportunities to make that happen. <laughs> Mr. Brian Alaski. Thank you as always for joining us on the show.
5: <laughs> Thanks guys.
0: Thanks Brian. See ya. So we're going to move from the field and we're going to move up to the technical staff. We're bringing on for the first time uh, a man who knows this sport played what over 350 matches in the English football system for Sunderland, Bristol Rovers, Wickham Wanderers, a bunch of others. You've coached out there. You're now an assistant coach out here. And also you're the IDP manager, which I had to look that up. That's the, uh, what is it? It's something about player development, individual player or individual development plans for the players, which is amazing because you're doing a great job. We're seeing that with the kids. That's assistant coach. Paul Hardiman, Paul, welcome first time on the show. How are you doing? How are you feeling?
1: Yeah, really good, and um, thanks for inviting me on. It's uh, it's only taken you nearly three years, lads. So thanks very much.
0: I, you know, I, I'm sure we've we've sent out the requests in the past, and
1: we just didn't get it right. <laughs> I'm joking; it's my <laughs> sense of humor. But uh, no, look, I'm really pleased to be on, and uh, yeah. So the the job title it came when I I came over with Rangers. Um, was individual development plan manager. Um I just uh like tried to look after the younger players and bridge the gap from sort of academy soccer or young, you know, young players soccer into men's soccer uh, and help them uh, sort of you know step into the into the limelight really. So first of all when I came there was uh, Raymond Dre, Ray, uh, Francis Jacobs and, and Kobe Henry uh were the sort of three that I was looking after. Um and obviously Kobe went on and did really well. So that was that was a pleasing thing. Um then obviously Krady and Bryce have come into the equation. So it's been uh it's been a busy time trying to get the uh trying to get also the Academy stroke reserve team set up um and also trying to win championships as well. So um yes yeah, it's it's stop nonstop. And you're doing one heck of a job with these young players.
0: I mean the fact that a lot of these players are finding some success with the team and moving on elsewhere, that's, you know, props to you for that, uh, first and foremost. Uh, let me ask you this, because it is a very interesting way that Orange County does things here. Uh, you have some teams in the league that focus on bringing in experienced veteran players going all in on a championship, and then you have some teams that seem to go more for that development route. Maybe they're a feeder team for a, a larger club, uh, or they, you know, are looking for that diamond in rough so they can cash in and get a big check when they sell a player off. How how is it that orange county is able to really balance between the veterans uh the experienced players and these really good young players uh and how does it how are they making success out of this
1: yeah so the way it works is um obviously you've got to try and sign good young players um and uh pete nugent does a good job of, of sort of recruiting around america um sort of like the academy sort of scouts, Sean Bayer, um, myself, Didier Cretton, and uh, sort of go out locally and watch games um, and try and bring in the local talent. So we're scouting really from San Diego all the way up to L.A. Um, and we've, we've got a right mixture of players in that uh, reserve team. So the balance really works out. Then you sort of get those boys in and they work with the reserves. And if they do well, then they step up and train with the first team. Um, they're not sort of just plunge straight in, they're sort of grip fed in, given a couple of sessions and then taken back to the reserves. And it's the balance really of, of making them understand what the step up is. Um, it's not just the, the physicality. Um, there's a massive step from the the technical side, but the, the biggest thing is the tactical side. Um, I've got to say one of the things that I've noticed since I've come over from England Um and, you know, in the intro, you said that I've worked for a lot of clubs coaching. You um, know, I've worked for Portsmouth all the way through from grassroots all the way through to the first team. Um, and then I went on to Watford, Bournemouth and then Southampton. And these boys that are being coached there are usually in about seven, eight years of age um, and, and getting really good coaching from good coaches over there. So the step up here is that the boys that come in um, – have had coaching obviously at their club teams, but there's a big step from their club soccer to USL. Um, And that's my job to sort of try and educate them along with Morton as well. um, And Rich Chaplow before that. So our our main aim is to sort of like work with them technically, tactically, physically, and then psychologically. Um, And again, that's another thing. So where you're working with a player that comes in and does really well at the start and then, it sort of levels out a little bit and then they lose a little bit of confidence. So, then you have to build their confidence up again. Um, and we've had that with a couple of younger players. Um, so, it's just a case, really, of, of you know, getting that blend right. And it's, uh, it's a tough ask, but I always remember back in the 90s when Alan Hansen said about the Man United team, you can't win anything with youngsters. And then they went on to do, you know, ever so well. Um, and that's what we're trying to do here is... Give young players a chance to to show how good they are but also sort of like really showcase them in in europe so that we can get them over there um you know crazy's over there now um obviously milan's going to be leaving us and then obviously kobe's gone as well so in the three well two and a half years that i've been here we've been very very successful in doing that and uh you know that's that's a credit to all the staff it's not just down to to myself um you know morton has a big part to play in that pete nugent obviously recruiting them and then didier cretin and as well if they drop down into the reserve so there's a real team effort um that, that makes it happen
0: so i'll hand it off over to larry he has some questions for you okay hey paul larry uh, i'm i'm the old guy with the beard
1: um, yeah it's just the way the lads there so that's uh that's yes, a bit-
3: as a matter of fact, I pulled this down off my wall because I wanted you to be able to see it. I think you probably can recognize that logo right there.
1: Yeah, I certainly can, yeah. So, uh, yeah.
3: Way back in the 90s, I was stationed on a NATO base uh, over in Europe, and I dated a British girl who was from Sunderland. And wow. having grown up playing baseball and basketball and American football, I had no interest in soccer, and she got me hooked, and she made me a Sunderland fan. So I have been a Sunderland fan since the – Late nineties, not I, I don't remember you playing for them because I, I wasn't was a before, fan of the team. Yeah, yeah
1: uh, I was early
3: 90s. Yeah, you were there in 95, 92 to 95, I think. Uh
1: 89 to 92, so, yeah, yeah. 92.
3: Okay, yeah. So yeah. I became a fan a little bit after that. Um, but there was a great question that somebody uh had posted earlier, and they wanted us to ask, um, what is the bigger thrill? Playing in the FA Cup final against Liverpool or lifting the USL Championship trophy in twenty twenty one? Good
1: question. Um two different scenarios really, and I'm gonna I'm gonna be brutally honest here. The first one, you're a player, um and to get to a cup final is every British boys dream. Um, you know, being brought up when soccer on English televisions was just the one live game a year was the English Cup final. Um, and it was the only game that you all sat down as a family and watched. Um, obviously, now it's totally different with all the the providers. But um, that was something special. Um meant a lot to me to play at Wembley um, and to my family as well. Um, but from a coaching point of view, there's nothing better than winning a championship. And to come over here my first year... Um, there was lots of unfortunate things happened before obviously Braden uh, lost his job and then Rich and I took over Um, and you know I mean as I say the the rest is history but the work that went on there was phenomenal to get the boys to you know believe and, and that's where that psychology comes in believe that they're good enough to go and win it and we were winning games 1-0, 1-0, 1-0, and it was almost like we were the arsenal of the USL championship. Um, no one could beat us. Um, and, you know, again, this weekend, you know, beating El Paso 1-0, there's a lot of similarities that have happened. And, you know, it's it, that was something very, very special. It means so much to me, um, you know, coming over here and, and making myself really... Um, available to to orange county and and coming in and and making you know history for the club um i i always say to oliver vice um the night that we won it at tampa um to see his face um he was in total shock at the end of it you know he's the general manager he is someone that loves this soccer club um and to be there on that night and see his face pete Nugent's face and james's face um I don't think any of them in their wildest dreams thought we could do it. Um, And I've got to say, when we were 3-0 up at halftime, I thought that something had gone seriously wrong. But uh, it was a a fantastic night and something that I'm very, very proud of.
3: Uh, I have one more question, Coach. Um, uh, This one comes uh, from one of the fans. Uh, Brad Polanski. Uh, Brad actually is one of the co-hosts. He's going to be here tonight. Um, we've talked a lot before we came on the show about um, most improved players. And, you know, you're the man with the stats and the plans. And who is it that you have seen make the most improvements from last year to this
1: year? Who's really stepped up? Um, good question. Uh, the The player that hits me straight away is Kevin Petita. Um Kevin last season was just returning from an injury and sort of found it a little bit difficult last year. But this year, he's been an absolute like machine in that midfield for us. Um, and then obviously Dylan Powers as well, um, who was stepped back from midfield into central defence and been absolutely brilliant. Um, he looks so calm and assured there and it looks like he's played all his career there. Um, and in fact it's only this season so those two players sort of really step out um, you know and then obviously Crady from where he was when he came to the club um, to where he left us made big strides so and then Colin Shuttler as well really Um, Colin from last year sort of being in and out of the team and then starting the season then out with Cody coming in and um, so there's been a real sort of energetic change in, in a lot of the players. But I would say that Kevin Petita and Dylan Powers are the two for me that have done exceptionally well this season. And and that's harsh on some of the other players because they've done really well as well. Owen, Owen Lamb has been phenomenal at the back, um, coming in and, and taking over from, you know, the legend Brent Richards. So, um, you know, Owen's done well as well, really.
3: Great. Thank you, coach. Um, that's all I've got. Um, thank you so much. Congratulations on all the teams done and your success and away the lads. And I think Dylan's got a question or two for
1: you. No problem. Thank you. Just a,
2: yeah, just a few. Um, While well, we look at years past and and this year, um, another fan question here from Matt Elder. Uh, what differences do you see in the team
1: this year uh, versus the 2021 team? Um. Again, there's there's lots of similarities and um, the way that the results have gone for us as well, where we're uh, we're keeping clean sheets, so the defense is very very consistent. And if you go back to that 2021 year, um, there was five players really that you know stayed in that that back four. That was obviously Brent, uh, Michael Roscoe, Rob Kinn and Kobe Henry, and then Kevin Alston. and it was also having Pat uh Rukowski behind them. So there was a real back line that was uh worked as, as a machine again. And they they've got a pride in keeping clean sheets. And this this group um has as well. Um, you know, at the start of the season we were conceding some sloppy goals and silly goals. Um but we've we've eradicated that and now um everyone takes a pride in keeping clean sheets and you know if colin shutler had managed to play in all the games that um was available to him um you know he missed two where juan Santana stepped up and if he had had those two i think he would have got the golden glove this season so another great award for for the club you know last year milan winning golden boot um you know this year having having that but the the other thing as well is that we've got Milan scoring goals and last time it was Ronaldo. So there's there's quite a lot of similarities really that have um are happening throughout the season. And you know, the midfield was so solid back in 2021 as well. Um spoke to Eric Carvillo on Saturday after the game and he was devastated obviously that they had lost. But thanked me for the time that he had here and he, he thoroughly enjoyed it. But you know, we were we were steady in that year and it's been, there's a lot of similarities, you know, between the two groups. Um, and the, the, the thing that also is the team spirit, both on and off of the pitch in 2021 and 2023, is very similar as well. Everybody gets on and there's great, you know, as you saw in the, if you, you saw it in the locker room afterwards, um, we have a bit of fun and, each time there's always a different person that's on fire. <laughs> so uh, the lads love it and uh, it's great, great to get the lads going. And I see Nico Roos and Ashton Miles joining in that on Saturday, too. two lads that have come through the academy. And without those two, we would have been struggling uh, to have a full bench on Saturday. So, um, you know, credit to those two guys as well.
2: Um, Paul, if we go back a little bit further and, and look at your time, um, you were a first-team coach um, at Portsmouth. You uh, worked under Andy Offord, who, you know, at the tail end of his career, uh, was a development coach at, at Luton um, and is responsible for quite a few players that that he's developed. Um, what did you take away from your time at Pompey? And was, was being a first-team coach so miserable that is that what led you to more of the player development side of things?
1: Yeah, so um, when... When Andy came in um, to Portsmouth, um, that those players were—I'm not knocking Andy for this, by the way—there um, was a lot of players that were already in the system and uh, were coming through, uh, the likes of uh, Adam Webster, Connor Chaplin, Ben Close, uh, Alex Bass, um, Dan Butler, uh, and then Jed Wallace came in in his time. Um, but we had a we had a great great convey about a young talent coming through. And again, that was what we did. Um then was I was running the football in the community at that time. And it's really grassroots that, but my job was to go out around Portsmouth. Um, and Portsmouth's a coastal city. So you can you can only use half of the of the land mass there to to scout um whereas if you're in london you can go all the way around london so so we are a little bit restricted but we managed to get into nearly every school within a radius of about 15 miles of portsmouth um and we were working with young young players sort of seven eight years of age um and then we would put them into what we call advanced training centers and then we would put them into what we called an elite training center um and these elite training centers we we sort of kept to about 16 players in each age group and then they were then gradually fed through into the, um, into the Academy. Um, and that's when I got asked to step up because we were being quite successful. I then stepped up into the Academy. Um, and then from that, uh, ended up being first team coach, but the the production line was very, very good as it is now at Orange County. Um, you know we've got some very very good players coming through, and hopefully, some of them might have to go to college first to mature a little bit more, and then come back to Orange County Soccer Club. But there's some good players there, so what we want to try and do is is give players the best bit, which is you know like playing for Orange County. But then if they do really well, then go on to uh, play in Europe, and hopefully you know the club can benefit financially from that, but also great in that pathway as we call it pathway to pro
2: thank you on to taylor
4: well i have a question your answer might just be no but do you have <laughs> do you have any exciting news for maybe the season ahead i know we're still on this one but i'm looking forward and i'm sure coaches are too maybe players staff through the academy anything like that
1: yeah i mean obviously at this time of the year um players are being spoke to staff are being spoke to um morton's contracts up my contracts up um the players a lot of those um probably about 50% of those will be um coming to the end of their contracts um and then also there'll be players that we we'll be looking at to to you know bring into the to the club so um things are always revolving um there's you know there will be players leaving there will be players coming in um but what you hope is that the players that come in are even better than the ones that unfortunately won't be here. Um, So it's a case of making sure that uh, they've got some, you know, there's some good players coming in and that's the main thing. Um, You know, that's, I I talked, talked about that 2021 season Um, and, you know, the players like Ronaldo Damas now will be looking for clubs. Um, All those San Diego players will be. Uh, So it's, uh, you know, on a, do I like San Diego as a club? Um, no, because there are of rivals, if you like. Um, but <laughs> that's the way I was brought up. The you know, your local clubs are your rivals. Um, but I do feel sorry for that club in the sense of that they are. You know, they had a great turnout yesterday. Um, the fans were great down there, and I do feel for them. You know, if that was us, I would I would feel absolutely devastated. Um, but thankfully, it's not. So. Um, you know, for me, it's about making sure that uh, this club is, is here for a long time and and the best is happening here. So, yeah, players will come, um, staff will come and go, um, and we'll just wait and see what happens. But uh, that's about as much as I can give you. I would like to give you more, but uh, it's top secret.
4: <laughs> I bet. Well, we appreciate that very much, and thank you for joining us today too. That's been great.
1: No problem. Thank you.
0: I think uh, we, we tend to like to ask just at least a couple non-soccer or non, non-soccer non related question just to get to know uh you as a person uh i'm gonna ask one quickly and then we'll let dylan ask his normal one this is sort of soccer related but i want to ask you like if you didn't have a career playing and coaching in soccer what would have your career choice been
1: um so when i left school i, I, I always tell this this story um when i left school i wanted to be a soccer player that was all that was in my head Um, And when I was 14, I went to see the careers teacher and uh, (laughs) she sat me down and she said, right, Paul, what do you want to do when you leave school so that we can help you? And I said, I want to be a a soccer player, miss. And uh, she said, don't be so stupid, Paul. She said, you know how many players, (laughs) you know, young players make it? And I said, yeah, not many, miss. And she said, so you need to be thinking of something else. So she said, go outside, let someone else come back in. And you come back in after them and come up with another job that you want to do. So I said, okay. So I walked out the room, let the next person come in. They come, they did their bit. They come out, I'll go back in. She said, right. Sensibly now, what do you want to be? I said, I want to be a soccer player, miss. And she said, get out of the room. She said, you need to really think hard about your life. And I was like, oh, brilliant. So I went home that night and, uh, I was sat around the tea table, uh, with my mum, my dad. And as, mums and dads do how was school today yeah it was great what did you uh, what did you do oh we had a careers meeting yeah well what happened so I told him and my dad said well she must have seen you play because I don't think you're good enough either son and that was my dad's um, that was my dad's reverse psychology to say go on come on and prove to me that you are good enough and uh, and then sure enough when I was 16 years of age um, I left school and uh, what did I become a carpenter and joiner. So, <laughs> so a careers teacher and my dad was right. Um, it was only then that I realised how much harder I had to work. Um, and I went and played for a local non-league team, um, in, in just outside of Portsmouth. And, uh, and at the end of that season, I had three clubs who wanted to sign me, um, Portsmouth being one of them, Brighton being another, and Aston Villa, who was the other team who, uh, had just won the European cup, um, so I was actually turning down the European champions to sign for Portsmouth, who was my home home club, because that was the team that I wanted to play for. So if I was going back and and I went on a leadership course and they, they asked a similar question and my career so far has gone carpentry and joinery, soccer. And then I finished soccer and like, all right, what am I going to do? And I went back to my tools and carpentry and joinery and then I was sat on a, a valley roof doing a gutter and it was pouring with rain back in England and I was working with this bloke and he, he looked at me and we were both drenched like stoked to our skin and he looked at me and he said didn't you play in a cup final a couple of years ago and I was like yeah I did and I thought what am I doing sat here in this all these puddles on this roof and uh, I sat in my car and thought like right I need to get myself sorted so I went back to coaching I uh, went into coaching and, and got a job and uh then got sacked at Portsmouth and then what did I do I went back on my tools again <laughs> so I've gone carpentry and joinery soccer carpentry and soccer um so yeah it, it I would have been a carpenter and joiner for sure <laughs>
0: um and I do have to ask this one last question because I'm going to get in trouble if I don't then I'll let Dylan ask his um it's a question we've asked a lot of the players that have come on uh in the locker room we obviously players take control of the music uh choices that people play who has the best, uh, you know, best taste in music, and who has the the worst taste in music, where you just have to put some earplugs in or something if there are? Oh out yeah, there's, them, there's the, a few um, of those.
1: Yeah. Um, the best is Seth. Uh, Seth is is good, um, and I like it because he, he he has a mixture. He's not just down one road. Um, he has a mixture. He likes a little bit of of heavy metal stuff, and then he he's got uh, some sort of like you know better music as well but yeah Seth is the best um the worst there's a few I gotta say um when they go on and they put them on in the locker room and I go in and get out as quick as I can and come back to the coach's locker room so but when Seth's on I don't mind staying in there and he usually does the stuff before the game um to get us pumped up ready to go and then after the game he's straight on um as well so yeah Seth's definitely the best I'm sure you saw the reaction of a lot of us when you gave that answer because for
0: the, the younger players, Seth tends to be on the, the not as wonderful side of things. Just That's why we were sort of all cracking up when you gave that answer.
1: Uh, I yeah, you know, probably my eye just showing, so I'll hold my hands up. Yeah, for sure. Go ahead, Dylan. All right.
2: Uh, another super important question, Paul, and, and thank you for for telling us kind of about how you've <laughs> I here. saw your reaction
1: um, when I said Seth, so <laughs> –
2: everybody else was really like is the worst um <laughs> paul what is your favorite
1: vegetable and uh, and how do you prepare favorite it vegetable? there's only one um and uh it's broccoli so um broccoli uh i'd go probably second carrots third peas um so if if you're ever in england and you you have a a roast roast dinner which is obviously one of our big meals that we have there it's always You know, broccoli. I like cauliflower cheese as well, but it's got to have – cauliflower's got to have the cheese sauce over it. Otherwise, no, cauliflower's just not there. So, now broccoli's number one for me.
2: Beautiful. Thank you for uh, supporting the English cause with your vegetable choices there.
1: (laughs) No problem.
0: Perfect. Um, Paul, really quick, any last message you have for the fans that are going to be making the trek out there to Championship Soccer Stadium this weekend? What do you want to see, hear from them? and? Uh, what do you? What do the players need from them to uh, be successful?
1: Yeah. Look, honestly, um, when I arrived here, I remember coming to one of my first games at the champ and sitting in the stands and watching. And there was about a thousand, just over a thousand people there. Um, now seeing as many people turn up and, and watch us, and it's not just for the playoffs. They're not just turning up for that. They're coming to, you know, the games uh, regularly. So. The first thing is turn up in numbers for sure because it gives the lads such a boost. Um, please make as much noise as you can. Um, join in in the sing, and I think the the lads in the corner do a great job, and I love listening to them. Um, we have uh, we have a bit of fun uh, myself, Victor, the goalkeeper coach, and Mario uh, Lemus, the the, uh, the 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 operations manager, about the, the Kevin Petita song. Uh, we think that's great. And uh, so keep singing, singing the players' names, getting behind the boys and, and making as much noise, especially when when we need you, when we're under, uh, you know, they're attacking and we're under the cosh a little bit, you know, get behind the boys and, and really, really drive us forward. Um, you know, I, I would love to finish this season with another championship. And, you know, when, when you guys sing um, to other teams that, you know, they're, we're USL champions, you know, and they can't sing that. I think that's brilliant. So, yeah, keep it going. And uh, it's something that everyone at Orange County, for a club, you know, that started as it did and, and has developed as it has, it's something to be really, really proud of winning that first championship. But boy, oh boy, wouldn't it be so great to win another one?
0: Yes, it would be amazing to win a second championship. Um, uh, Paul, Thank you so much for taking some time to join us on this show, this episode. We appreciate it. Um, hopefully we'll get to have you on again in the future. Ladies and gentlemen, assistant coach and IDP manager for your Orange County Soccer Club, Paul Hardiman. Paul, as always, thank you.
1: No, thank you, guys. And uh, now I can see some names and faces. I won't be calling you "Hawaii the lads, but, you know, now I see names and faces, is brilliant. Um, <laughs> And please, you know, invite us on any time if you're if you're really struggling, <laughs> you know, you know how to get hold of me now. So uh yeah, enjoy it, lads, and uh and you know, keep up the good work. And let's let's you know get behind the boys on Saturday and let's go again.
0: Yeah, let's do it. Let's go again. Let's let's we got three more matches we gotta win, and we're gonna raise that uh that that cup one more time here in Orange County. Uh thank yes. you.
1: No problem. Thanks very much. Enjoy your evening. Thanks, Paul. awesome.
0: So two great guests this evening we had uh brian oloski paul hardiman uh and that's why we went a little bit long so we're just going to do some super rapid fire random thoughts in case anyone has anything to share Uh, i'll go first to dylan
2: um please answer if you know at what point does an artist transcend this is not doing well for probably my image but transcends that line where they're doing their thing and they're like affordable and easy to get to and see do their thing and then they, they where's the line where they become i'm selling out the forum and it's big and it's it's no longer cool because everybody's at their show with a phone up and they're talking the whole time um you know where to find me please please answer
0: oh and really quick i'm sorry i know i would said rapid fire random thoughts but you also got to give a score prediction in your random thoughts dylan add that
2: uh yeah, to an orange guy all right uh, taylor
4: Three-one uh, Orange County, and then Team Krieger for people that know what's going on there.
0: All right, uh, Hallway.
3: I, I still got to stick with 2 0 The other guys because it's worked since June, um, so I'm going to stick with that. And I, I know, and you know, Ray, Ray's got his uh, his his rum. Uh, as for my random thoughts, same one as last week. I got my pink wristband here with the uh, with the ribbon on it. Breast Cancer Awareness Month still for another week. So um, any ladies out there watching, check them. Guys, encourage your wives, girlfriends, moms, sisters, grandmas, everybody to uh, make sure they're getting checked because, uh, yeah, it's a rough one.
0: So that's it for me. Definitely. Thank you for that message, uh, Larry. Um, my random thought. Well, I should do my score prediction really quick. Um, I'm going to go 2-0 Orange County over Phoenix uh my random thought is going to be this amazing time to be watching soccer at least for me top of the table in the Premier League and a great uh three matches here for Orange County to win a championship and and that's going to be awesome and and my boys my my son's team is still undefeated there we go um I want to thank everyone including those people here on the show with me Taylor Larry Dylan producer Andy uh Brad was hanging out in the chat so thank you for doing that Brad also, all of you that were in the chats and uh, you know sharing your thoughts, asking questions. Um, it was very busy in there today, which is always fun to see. I love it. And also, again, our guests, Brian Oloski and Paul Hardiman from Orange County Soccer Club. We appreciate them joining us tonight. Um, let's do this. Let's get a win at the Champ. I guess we, we're going to call it that now, right? Uh, this Saturday. And then we'll see. Maybe we go to Sacramento or maybe we host San Antonio again. Um, for a third round of the slugfest against San Antonio either way it'll be fun and then we go on to the finals hopefully knock on wood got my plantation uh rum to do this is the orange black soccer cast we are out